0: Hi, this is Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with a Slate Spoiler Special podcast on I'm Still Here, the new documentary about Joaquin Phoenix, directed by Casey Affleck. With me in the studio is John Swansburg. Hey, John. Hey. Who is Slate's culture editor and my uh, frequent and beloved podcast companion. Um, But, John, I have to say, I really feel that the the two of us have suffered some sort of mutual degradation by sitting through this movie, and I'm really sorry now that I, I made you... Experience that
1: uh, you shouldn't apologize, but I, I would like to anna- take this time to announce that I'm actually uh, retiring as a uh, culture editor and podcast <laughs> spoiler. Um, I'm going to pursue a uh, hip hop career.
0: All right, well, let's hear your rap.
1: Uh, well, I can't, I can't, re- <laughs> I can't reveal my uh, you know my notes thus far. You have to wait till it's more polished. I don't want to. I actually don't want to look like uh, Joaquin Phoenix did when he was rapping uh, in this movie. Yeah, I, was I, I say, want to make actually, more of a actually study. no matter
0: what freestyle you busted out just now. I don't <laughs> think it could possibly be any worse.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably true.
0: So we should set up this movie for those who haven't heard the advance buzz about it. I mean, the whole reason that we're talking about this movie, the only reason this movie is interesting and in, in effect, and I don't think it is in the end at all. Me neither. Is is because of the. Uh, the hoax or possible hoax question surrounding the movie. Do you want to set that up a little bit?
1: Uh, sure, I'll try to as best I can. So I believe it started in 2008, is that uh, about right, I think, in terms of chronology. Joaquin Phoenix, I think while uh, while working the red carpet for Two Lovers, the last movie that he appeared in before this one, uh, announced that he was retiring from acting. Uh, he wasn't going to do it anymore, and instead he was going to pursue a career as a hip-hop artist. And uh, he, started, he sort of fell off the scene a little bit, and then he would pop up. I would sort of see mention of him in my Twitter feed or in um, various websites that I frequent, uh, noting that he'd made a sort of appearance in a Las Vegas club, freestyling, uh, or that you would uh, hear you know hear about him getting into a scuffle at a Miami club, and he was he started to let himself go physically, he gained a lot of weight, he grew a, a big sort of Tolstoyan beard, and started he was always appearing in these sort of dark glasses, and it just looked like he was falling apart. And there and was
0: then there was the Letterman appearance, and then there was
1: sort of this all culminated in this Letterman uh, appearance uh, where he was completely. Affectless, he was just—he was just sort of sat there, slumped in the in the seat, and wasn't giving anything other than like monosyllabic responses to Letterman's questions. Letterman ended up having actually a lot of fun with him, and, and uh, maybe we'll talk about this later. The the entire Letterman performance is is part of the uh, of the movie. Um, I'm still here. But that's when I think the sort of the, a broader audience, other than people who sort of follow, you know, entertainment <laughs> websites uh, as part of their daily life, um, maybe caught on to what was going on here. And they're, it did sort of raise this question, is he really – has he really gone crazy? Has he really left acting? And is he really serious about pursuing his hip-hop career? Or is this some kind of elaborate hoax, uh, is it maybe is the word, or, or some kind of elaborate – Scheme or idea for, for you know sort of an artistic project might be a way of
0: well just to get the chronology I'm not exactly sure when these things overlap but during this whole period that Joaquin Phoenix was you know supposedly going nuts and dropping out of show business and everything there was also word going around that his brother-in-law Casey Affleck right, right the actor and brother of Ben Affleck was uh, was directing a documentary about him so so there was the seed for this documentary was kind of being planted at the same time as the Joaquin Phoenix goes crazy moment kind of broke out so there was question about whether the entire thing was just being orchestrated from behind the scenes by these two buddies.
1: Right. As some kind of guerrilla art project or you know, I suppose you could think that it was, you know, Casey Affleck thought that his brother's, you know, sort of self-destruction brother-in-law's self-destruction was uh, you know, good material for a documentary and wanted to uh, capture it on film.
0: Um, Okay, so that brings us to the documentary itself, which took a good long time to come out. I would be interested to know the distribution history of this movie and I wouldn't be surprised if it bounced around for quite a while before it it found a distributor. Um, It was Magnolia Pictures that that it Eventually put it out, but Mm -hmm. it seems like this is going to have a very, very limited audience, and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people tried to kill it, but these guys were just too powerful in the show business world.
1: Yeah, I sort of wish someone had killed it and we, I could have those 107 minutes that we spent on it last night. It was night. only
0: 107 well, minutes Well, that's long? what
1: I just read before uh, before we started this podcast, but it seemed to me I, like we were in there for at least two hours. I don't know. I mean, it just, it, it has, it feels a lot longer than whatever. It feels
0: incredibly long, because, yeah. I mean, to, to not even, for the moment, just to step away from the unbelievably depressing subject matter, it just, as a crafted document, is not a success. Would you agree?
1: No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's sort to... of
0: like an album, well, it's sort of like a, a hip-hop album made by Joaquin Phoenix. It has that level <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) of skill invested in the filmmaking. But but it feels to me sort of like a record where every song has the exact same dynamics and tempo. I mean, just in terms of the, the pure rhythm of the thing, every scene is kind of Joaquin Phoenix... Ranting sourly and, and profanely at his subordinates, right. right?
1: Pretty much, or sort of thinking that he, or it's it's either that or he's performing. And whenever he gets up on stage, despite his protestations throughout the movie that he wants to channel his art, you know, his artistic an- energies and abilities into this hip hop this hip hop career, whenever he gets up on stage, he does these he gives these very self destructive performances where it looks like he's incredibly <laughs> low blood sugar. He's like he's mumbling the lyrics out into the microphone. You can barely understand what he's saying. He he seems very uncomfortable there's no sense that there's any real energy to the to the performances none of the energy that he's brought to his acting certainly in the in the past um, so there's those scenes and then there's also the scenes of him sort of um hoping that to get um sean puffy combs to be his producer um and those are to the extent
0: there's any storyline to the movie at all because it is really shapeless and it does to me have the feeling of one scene that's exactly like the previous one after another with right. very little story imposed on it um, we'll get to in a second to whether that story is being imposed artificially from the outside but to the extent there is any story it's him trying to get Sean Combs to produce his rap record right and there That's are right. a couple of scenes that are that are mildly funny anytime we're outside of this unbelievably claustrophobic world of Joaquin Phoenix and his his hangers-on who right. sort of seem to be these couple of guys that kind of live with him as semi-chefs semi-assistants semi-weed procurers right <laughs> Right. those guys are I think really his assistants and I think that we do probably get a glimpse is. of what his, his daily life is like in those scenes yeah I think one of
1: them is, and then one of them was credited at the end that was a little confusing, like he was being played by somebody.
0: Okay. So then I guess we, we can't talk about this too much longer without getting to the question of, of where we stand on, on whether it's real or not. Yeah. So, so where do you stand?
1: I think it's not real. I think it's not real at all. Uh, I think that these guys, uh, Affleck and uh, Phoenix, for whatever reason, got this idea in their head that it would be f- interesting, maybe, although it wasn't, funny, maybe, although it wasn't, um, to have... Phoenix have this meltdown and to document it over, over the course of 18 months or two years or wh- however long it was, 12 months maybe it was only, and to do it as a sort of guerrilla art experiment uh, where the camera's al- always on and where Phoenix doesn't just do this in you know, the privacy of his own New York apartment or L.A. home but actually does things like go on Letterman and, and make these kind of crazy appearances at clubs in Las Vegas and Miami uh, and to have it be a sort of study about what it's like to live – uh, a life in the as a celebrity as someone who was a celebrity his entire life in the case of Phoenix um, and to uh, you know explore that through this kind of fake documentary but I sort of think the whole thing is a is a contrivance now obviously you you know going on Letterman and doing that is you know there is some level of self destructiveness there that's sort of part and parcel with the guerrilla art idea but I I think the whole thing is essentially. Made up uh, and and I don't know it's not, hoax. It doesn't feel like the right word. It just seems like a, a sort of misguided artistic experiment, right? What do you think?
0: Well, I'm I'm surprised to what degree I disagree with you. I don't even think I knew coming out of the movie last night that we disagreed so much. I mean, I certainly agree that a lot of massaging has been done to this material, but I think it's it's indifferent to me to what extent they stage scenes with Sean Combs or whatever you know celebrity that they brought in, or even some of the stuff between. Um, Joaquin Phoenix and his handlers. But I think that it is true. I think it is an incontrovertible fact that Joaquin Phoenix is a mentally ill drug addict who's kind of losing it during the course of this movie. And I think that his brother-in-law, Casey Affleck, is doing this incredibly unfilial, unbrother in law thing by exploiting this guy's decline.
1: Why would Summer Phoenix, to whom he's married, allow him to do that, do you think? If she felt like her brother really was a a person... If he is the person in the movie that we saw last night... Summer owes it to him to check him into rehab not let, her brother, not let her husband make this movie about him which may, he, he looks awful in this movie there
0: should be large groups of people that were trying to keep this from coming out and, and I don't mean by saying this and I don't want to get a lot, ton of emails saying that I'm some innocent who thinks that he's this pure victim I mean he comes Joaquin <clears throat> Phoenix comes off as a complete jerk in the movie right yeah. he comes off as totally entitled and arrogant and awful some of that may be you know him being egged on off camera reality television style but I think right. it is based on actual currents in his personality if this is as I was saying to the group of people we saw the movie with last night if it really is true that this is a complete hoax and both of them are coolly manipulating it from the outside and the camera's turned off and Joaquin Phoenix was sort of like, hey, guys, all right, great, treating everyone really nicely, then, you know, he's he's at the very least a genius actor. It doesn't make Casey Affleck a genius director. But I don't think that this degree of decline is something that he's faking. And I think to any extent, I don't care if it's only 10% true that his brother-in-law is exploiting his mental illness. I think if that's at all true, this movie horrifies and repulses me.
1: I I completely agree with that. And I think you're right. I mean, I I, my my feeling was that it was sort of the performance of a lifetime in a way, even though it's a performance I really didn't like. And I think it was an ill-advised performance and a performance that amounts to nothing. Because I really don't think that the movie has anything to say. I mean, we should talk about this eventually once we sort of (laughs) try to figure out a little bit more what, what the movie is. I I mean, at the end of the day, I don't really know what it's, what its point is, um, which is a bit, which is a big problem. But so it's either a great performance where he's completely, where he's, he's convinced you. And I think a lot of other people, I was just reading some other reviews that have already come out and, and you're certainly not alone thinking that, this is that he's at the very least tapping into some real um, you know mental issues that he has Um, I don't know I felt like it was mostly an act, um, And so to some degree, I'm impressed that they pulled that they pulled it off to the degree they did, to the, to the degree where they can fool a lot of people. Um, but because it was such an unpleasant experience to watch, because I didn't think it had any point at the end of it, I was like, well, so what is the point of that?
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing that's really, really – it's hard to get across how unpleasant it is to sit through this movie. It's not yeah. just that it's not a pleasant two hours. I really feel like I'm, I'm somehow besmirched by having seen it. Yeah. It's just such an awful glimpse into this horrible, narrow celebrity world, which you sort of know exists. It's not really any news that, you know, celebrities are, are jerks who kind of manipulate their handlers and think the world revolves around them. But the election figures in in this really depressing way where they go to D.C. during the inauguration only because Puffy is there. Right. <laughs> because Puffy has been invited to some big Obama ball, and so they're, which they're not invited to. And so he and his handlers and I guess Casey Affleck behind his camera are just hanging out in this motel room. You know, kind of wondering how they can score some weed and meet puffy combs while you know Obama's being inaugurated on TV, and and just that glimpse of that that world that's so incredibly narrow and confining is really sad.
1: I know. I mean, that they're in this like small hotel room with like two twin beds, and the and the shades are drawn, and so much of the of the movie takes place in sort of dark, closed-in interior spaces where it's just kind of Phoenix smoking incessantly. Sometimes tobacco, sometimes what seems to be marijuana, um, and like you said, berating other people and talking in sort of an inane way about – his own celebrity and his own art. And, you know, ostensibly – so we, maybe we should back up and say – so ostensibly the movie starts out with a scene where Phoenix says something which is which feels kind of pat at this point in world history where he feels that, you know, people don't really know him, that he's sort of walking around and people have this idea of Joaquin Phoenix but they don't know the real Joaquin Phoenix and he's stepping away from acting. At this
0: point in world history, I love that disclaimer. <laughs> Well, you know what I mean. It's
1: like I haven't. You didn't when he was saying that like stuff. Like after you- the
0: library in Alexandria burned down, <laughs> we pretty much had that figured out.
1: Yeah, it was just like it was just a very kind of boring, like, woe is me, I'm a celebrity, people think they know me, but they don't really know the real Joaquin Phoenix. That was kind of the setup, in his own words, for why he was doing what he was doing. Um, which, I don't know, I just didn't, I feel like that's kind of commonplace at this point, and there's also,
0: I'm even willing to grant, I mean, celebrity breakdown documentary, okay, that's of somewhat narrow interest in world historical terms, <laughs> but I could see this being done in an interesting way. I, I actually respected Joaquin Phoenix as an actor before this, and was just starting to actually really respect him after that his performance in Two Lovers. <laughs> (laughs) Mm -hmm. And this is actually part of why I think that the breakdown is to some large extent real is that I really do think that he was a pretty intense actor and a guy who completely threw himself into his performances. I mean, Walk the Line is not my kind of movie. It's sort of a classic celebrity biopic. But he is pretty amazing in that – movie, and he put so much work into that role. I mean, whether or not you think, you know, he was great as Johnny Cash, he clearly worked his ass off to sound like Johnny Cash and sing like Johnny Cash and, and do the whole thing. Right. You know, so that, so the fact that he's sort of, he just seems to have gone off the deep end to me, that that all of that intensity and that kind of passion turned into this like, horrible, self-destructive dissolution. I I could completely buy that.
1: But couldn't you also buy that he threw himself in that same kind of method way into being this vision of the horrible celebrity that he and Casey Affleck dreamt up over beers one night?
0: If so, then if it is true that he and Casey Affleck, again, dreamed it up over beers and are coolly colluding on it, then Joaquin Phoenix is an incomparably greater artist (laughs) than Casey Affleck, right? Because in that case, he gave, like you say, the performance of of a lifetime, while Casey Affleck made a shitty, boring... Unillustrative of anything, movie about it,
1: right? Have I been unfair to it? I mean, did you, was is there a better way of thinking about what the point of this movie would be? Like, is there if you if if you had to say what what the take what the takeaway was in the mind of Affleck and um and maybe Phoenix when they when know, they sort of wrap the movie? Like, what, this is
0: another baffling question to me. Is like in Casey Affleck's mind and maybe Joaquin Phoenix's mind if he if he has enough of one to to not be the guy in this movie. What's the ideal viewer coming away saying? Are they saying right. that was really funny, hardy-har, kind of jackass frat house humor, which there's, that's basically the, the style of the movie? Right. Or is the ideal viewer in their minds coming out and saying, wow, that was a profound insight into the nature of celebrity and living your life in the public eye? I mean, it certainly doesn't have any profound insights in that department. Right. As I said to Jonah and you last night, and I'll say it again, every single detail of the movie could be staged and yep. fake. But I still think that there's something at the heart of it that's very real and very troubling. Definitely troubling. Well, John, uh, my apologies. (laughs) Please come to the next movie with me in spite of this one. I will. I will. Our producer is Tage Jensen. The executive producer for Slate Podcast is Andy Bowers. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens.